The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. Whoa. All right. Okay. Well, give it me. Tonight's song is... Well, this is not to be called Crockwrap Frosting, but it's now Smidering. The things that drain you off and drive you up the hinge. Boils, dirty socks, the ceilings collapse, the Sunday morning loud lawnmower, the upstairs Jewish girl bad-favoring every 30 minutes, the valium sick with thrill. All right, so I'll just start. I'll go uh, CNCS Mithering, uh, released November 17th, 1980 on grotesque after the gram um and i was just i just have a few notes about the title uh mm-hmm. for mainly uh the american audience of the 13 <laughs> people who may listen uh my oh, come my, on there's 15 yeah mithering uh, it equals basically like complaining or whinging mm-hmm. or you know something of that factor right. uh CNC is a cash and carry. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever been to a cash and carry? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's one actually not far, well, not far from here. So there's one in uh, in Warrington, Oregon, right. which is close to where I'm at. So, so I, definitely that. I know I've seen a few around Portland, but I've never gone in. So I just never had been. Yeah, the one that I know of, and I don't know if they're all the same, but um, the one that I know of is basically it's sort of a kind of a wholesale sort of place, you know, sell a lot of stuff to rest like restaurant supply, yeah, and that sort of thing, yeah. You know? So it's like if you want to get like any sort of flavor of uh, you know espresso syrup, right? There's a whole like aisle basically devoted to that. So yeah, that's. that's- that's the only reason yeah. I've ever gone into one is when I was working in coffee shops that get like, you know, a gross of napkins. Oh, right. 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 You okay. know, when they have, when they have, when they have spork week is always exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, so yeah, I've never, I've never been to cash carry. Uh, they never sent me out for anything when I worked in restaurants cause I was the cook. So uh, oh, I see. There you go. They made me well, pull missing, in. Oh, like, you missed out on a lot. Yeah, I bet. Uh, they made me like pull five hundred, you know, buckets of pickles from the truck down to the basement. That kind of shit. But never wow. the cash and carry. A, yeah, that is an amazing. That's a Marky Smith lyric right there. I know. Yeah, I'm, I might have to use it one of these days. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, oh, also the whole CNC thing was huh? Mark was Mark saying C the C and N are country and northern, so there was a kind of a play on the on that. Right. Um, yes. and then of course the it's and... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, continue. I'm sure you were about to say what I gonna say what I was about to say, probably. Oh, uh, maybe. I was just gonna keep moving and say that it's also a cipher containing Mark's last yeah. name. Which is kind right. of fun. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um Mithering is a is a fantastic word, which um, I think the first time I I was another Marky Smith, it was the the disparate cog sentai, not cognoscenti, but oh, yeah. uh, one of the bands on the there were um, credited as being fine English mitherers. So <laughs> <laughs> I I heard it on a. Something that Melissa, my wife, was watching. It was like, uh, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was something, you know, set in the north uh, uh-huh. in like the 1800s or something like that. And one uh-huh. of them, they, somebody said that they were mithering or like that somebody was mithering. And I was like, oh, yeah, it, it is a real word. Okay. <laughs> wonder if that is a Northern England um, term in particular. I don't that I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Yeah, check with the old OED perhaps one of these days. But yeah, one of these days when I remember, right. <laughs> be like, oh yeah, that's a. This one. I mean, I kind of I always thought I don't know. I always thought it was mithering or something like that, but not mithering. And then, right. I, but I don't. Of course, know, he does it in thought, but that doesn't mean anything either because you know he he likes to pronounce pronounce things you know there's this is the guy who who did a song with the word foliage in it so you know (laughs) 
Although it was Gavin Friday saying that rather than him, but never, never mind. <laughs> so, and then that was basically all I had, other than basically the songs uh, Mark complaining about the music business, which includes musicians, record companies, all aspects of any band ever. Uh, right. Basically, anything about the music business, including which is a um, right, which is a common thread, of course, for him. I would say that on most of the fall albums up to a certain point, there is at least one song that is a rather withering critique of the, of the music scene, including the song music scene. Um, but I think this might be the best example of it. Um, not least because not because it, there are at least four different versions out there, all of which, um, pillory a different set of uh, musical charlatans, I think. So does he change the names for these li- 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 live versions and Peel Session versions? Well, well so, I, so from what I, I have gleaned uh, over the years is that CNC, the CNC part of the song, was sort of a kind of an intro. Uh, they used to do it at the beginning of gigs, sort of to intro the whole set and then it would and then about midway as it does in the grotesque version it in about midway it um switches to another it it switches gears at some point and so so the cnc there there is the the version of the grotesque of course and there is the version that was on their peel session of early 1981 which is the hassle schmuck version mm-hmm. right. and then there is Right, and then there's the version on a part of America they're in, the live album, which is the the Stars on Forty Five version, um, and then there's the version that came out as part of the Fall box set uh, back about ten years ago, which incorporates um, the song Black Knight, which is a uh, an old Deep Purple song. Oh wow, <laughs> I haven't heard that yeah. version. Which which includes the lyric, you know, Richie Blackmore has just been shot. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in this one he's he's throwing what is he he throws Herb Alpert out there. Herb um, Alpert, yes. Johnny and Rotten. he's talking about Johnny Rotten. Um, talking about Gary Bushel as well <laughs> from um, the Gonads. The, the Gonads and became sort of a like an ultra right wing. He went from socialist boy kind of guy to a pretty horrible right wing bastard. I think he mostly does like um, maybe TV reviews or something now. I, all I, I I just remember that he he did some like he reviewed a Stuart Lee maybe Stuart Lee's last special on the BBC and was very you know horrible about it, which is you know. To be expected from him. It's not a not a not a uh, not a fine person, as far as I'm, <laughs> as far as I can see, at least from what evidence I can find. Did you? Did but you, I think he also. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I I was just. Did you say he interviewed Stuart Lee on the last Stuart Lee thing? No, I not interviewed. He was. He reviewed it. He reviewed the. Oh, he reviewed um, it. Special, yeah. Okay. And basically, you know. Took the the Philistines' view that you know he's not funny and doesn't tell jokes and etc. So, the, yeah, the stuff that uh, he says every time he's on <laughs> on a stage. Stuart right, Lee exactly. never tells a joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, okay, no, that's cool. Sorry, I was <laughs> right. I was I was reading stuff on the annotated. Uh, file I, I'm on the, I'm on the same page right now, so. <laughs> I think we are the three people keeping the traffic going tonight. Right. Exactly. Which is a fantastic site. I mean, that's, oh, uh, yeah. there's, I mean, they, the, I uh, forget the guy's name who does it, but he, he dissects all of the fall stuff um, as brilliantly as anybody I've seen. No, not, he's great. And not least of which, because you have a few uh, mentions on there, Bill. I do. Yes, I do. I've, I've made, uh, I've made a couple of uh, comments there that have actually gotten incorporated into the uh, into the wider. Um, was it? I don't know. Was it Garden? I forget. There's one of the songs that, um, or maybe it was Shoulder Pads. I mean, it's something about. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Look it up. We've actually mentioned you twice because of the site. Yeah, I think one of them was at least 
because of the Firesign Theater. Might maybe both. Oh, yes. That's right. Happy Harry. Yeah. Right. Yes. I'm into CB. <laughs> yes. So yes, that's uh, yeah. You know, the, wherever the fall in the Firesign Theater, or wherever that Venn diagram. <laughs> that's where you can find me basically <laughs> which makes me a lot of fun at parties as you can imagine Staying out in the corner yeah so I was gonna say. so how does the the cnc differentiate from like the crap rap because he mentions that in the song too it's gonna be called crap rap 19 and then now it's called stop mithering yeah um well i i think like i say i they they used to use this the CNC part, at least, as as like an opening salvo um, for their gigs, which is the same, which is what they used to do with the crap rap, um, the "We Are Northern White Crap," the talks back business. So I think right. that became the replacement for that at some point. And this is still, of course, we're talking very early, fairly early in the career. Yeah. Um, so it's. Um, as far as I can tell, and they used to use the CNC part, and then they would go into, uh, often they would go into, like, Prole Art Threat, or, you know, they would go into very, and there are, I guess, Container Drivers, which it actually does on the album, too. Um, you know, sort of an intro, and then it will, you know, segue into one of their other songs. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so the, I don't know, the breakdown of this one, well, the Cash and Carry, they were talking about, he talks about the uh, Cash and Carry house dance, which <laughs> I think is referring to like some sort of warehouse sort of gigs that they were playing in the early days, from what I, from what I can glean. He does mention a couple of Cash and Carry, um, what is it, uh, not the looking... Scrolling up here on the page here, folks. Uh, just read along, if you will. Uh, let's see. It's What is it? Nat? King, King, King and Empire. Cash and Carry Limited. There we go. Yeah. Right. Quick save. King Nat Limited. So he writes... This is in the, the fall... Um, the fall lyrics book that came out in the 80s. CNC Stop Mithering contains references to IE free adverts for Quicksave and King Nat Limited, an area of cash and carry warehouses near, Ma near Manchester Town Center. C, we advertise free for these, don't, so don't try the anti-commercial crap bit on us, sonny boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so in, that, in, in that way, it's like cash and carry is sort of like a catch-all term, sort of like Xerox or is he being really specific? Well, I'm not sure. I think he's talking about um, uh, those big sort of warehouse, I guess, and there were at least those two up in Manchester. Yeah. And I can't tell whether they're, he's talking about it in a in the sense of like a commercial, you know, because it's sort of withering about the whole concept of commercialism throughout the all versions of this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, I'm wondering if there, maybe they had played gigs at one of these places in the same way that they would play like the working men's clubs, you know, like looking, you know, kind of getting gigs wherever they can find them. Right. So it's hard, you know, obviously with, as with, as with most of uh, Marky e. Smith stuff, it's really hard to say what he's honestly on about, but uh but yes, I. So, and going back to this annotated fall site, it says evidently there was a house dance on the premises of a Manchester cash and carry, which provided the peg on which the song's lyrics are hung. So there you go. <laughs> but what does that mean? What the hell is a house dance? Is that like a disco? I mean, what are we talking about? Like here? a warehouse dance, I okay. think. Yeah. Okay. Like house short for where. House, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just like an underground rave type situation in 1977. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. All right. And then the following, the following sentence on the on the site says, "We can imagine the name striking MES as appropriate for its connotation of aspiring pop stars trying to carry off a bunch of cash," which also makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. You know, because as I um, mentioned, this is one of those songs where he is really withering about the contemporary pop scene 
I think he kind of takes on the sort of entirety of the sort of punk new wave um, spectrum. You know, he says, uh, you think you've got it bad with thin ties, miserable songs synthesized, and circles with A in the middle. Which I'd say <laughs> pretty much everybody except the fall at that point, you know. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, so that's that's where, I, that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> but um, where did you first hear this song, incidentally? Did, in... Hiram? Uh, I first heard it on Grotesque, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, relatively not that long ago. Okay. Uh, and, and just really liking... I really like the, uh, the intro on Grotesque, you know, with the acoustic guitar, but also the uh, crowd noises and the layover of uh, um, a, a live show on whatever he's singing about, which I think adds another great level to the song. And there's even, you know, there's that point in the song where it breaks out into applause. Right. Uh, right. Which was recorded. Let's say at the Cypress Tavern. Yeah. According to yeah. Cypress Tavern in, which is now the San Siro restaurant, the pub in Manchester where they played on May 14th, 1980. There you go. Wow. Day after my fifth birthday. So surprised I didn't know yeah. about it. I think that was it was an honor. <laughs> yeah. It was yes. very kind of them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there was there was a time at um which he uh Mark uh considered the notion of doing a fake live album. Oh, okay. So yeah. I think that might have been sort of a sort of a sort of a um rollover from that, sort of a you know having a party with the Beach Boys type thing. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so the, um, yeah, my first, see, the, I asked because I, I have like actually a semi-interesting story about the first time I heard the song, um, which I am about to tell you. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> well, this was, I remember this was back in, there. there's a, um, the, the Harvard University radio station. WHRB does a thing during, I don't know if they still do it, but they do a thing during the exam period. So around May or June called the, the orgy period. And that's when they will play, they will devote chunks of airtime to a particular artist. Um, and really cool, you know, and this is, I remember, uh, my earliest, um, experience with that was when they did they did a frank zappa they did 24 hours of frank zappa and i basically recorded the entire 24 hours of that <laughs> and that's when i became a and and a sort of slathering uh, zappa freak but some years later and in fact i can tell you it was 1992 and i can tell you that because they um it was morning i was on my way out to work i turned on the radio and they were playing a fall song. I thought, oh, my God, I got to, you know. So I put in a tape and recorded it. And they were playing um, the song that precedes this on the Grotesque album, which is New Face in Hell. Mm-hmm. And the DJ mentioned that it sounds very much like the song Conduit for Sale off of the new Pavement album. Right. Which had just been released in 1992. Uh, which is, of course, Conduit for Sale is basically the chords from New Face in Hell reversed, I believe. No, it's it's but, uh, pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the, the more flagrant thefts, I think. You know. Yeah, I think so. Which kind of which kind of fits in with the, you know, the whole theme of this song. But uh, uh, so I put in a tape, and I came back home uh, to listen to the tape, and I heard the end of the. You know, I was uh, a little ways away from the station, so um, the 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 signal wasn't all that great. So I so there's like the first minute and a half of the song plays, and you know which of course as you mentioned that it starts with like acoustic guitar and it has a sort of um, kind of weird sort of ambient sounds you know keyboard sounds and you know and uh, other sort of taped effects of some sort 
and which goes on for about a minute and a half and uh, before the, the drums come in. And basically it gets to the part where the drums come in and then the tape kind of mangle itself. Oh, and so, no. yeah. So, but it was a very striking sound to me. And I was already a fall fan at that time, but I had not heard this song. And it was extremely striking to me. And for, and I didn't know what song it was for, you know, sort of for some years after that, until I got a copy of uh, Grotesque, uh, probably around 1999. I think that's when the Castle uh, Communications reissue of that came out. And, um, yeah, did I mention that it was an interesting story? Um, uh, I take that back. <laughs> I retract my <laughs> No, it is. It's fairly interesting. It is interesting to me because I'm I'm a little surprised that it took you that long to hear this song because I knew you as a I've known you as a Fall fan, you know, ever since I started really getting into music, and so you know, knowing that like you didn't know this song until you know even after I was into the band is is fascinating, right? Well, I mean, you and of course you have to you have to remember that we're also dealing with the the pre Napster pre internet you know era, yeah. So, you know, it was a lot of the, and of course, a lot of that stuff was very hard to get a hold of, especially the early fall records. I think several of them probably never got American releases until much, much later. Right. Um, yeah. So. So, but yeah, I mean, I was definitely already a, a fall fan. I had not really gotten that deeply into the. Well, no, no, I can't say that. I was going to say <laughs> not into the, like, the early stuff because I'd already. I already had a copy of Dragnet by that point, so that kind of you know. So never mind. But I didn't have that particular record for okay. for a long time. Okay. For that, um, and I still think it's one of the most striking. I mean, <laughs> it's <laughs> the. Um, I think it's the first. I may be wrong about this, but I think it might be the first fall song that actually has acoustic guitar on it. Ooh. Hmm. There's, because I know well, Slates comes after, right? So because I know because they're just fit and working again has acoustic guitar in it. Yeah, uh, Totals has some acoustic guitar, but it's kind of recorded really horribly. Like the, the new Puritan track. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it, okay. It, well then, it might as well take be that back with the way it's recorded. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I, I like that idea. Um, I, I th- so I like this song because he's because even though he was doing this kind of they were doing this kind of thing on Dragnet with uh, Spectre versus Rector, like oh, yeah. I like the adding layers of stuff on top or below or within the song itself to kind of take the song out of its own self or even the acoustic guitar part and then bashing into the faster part you know in the middle of the song so i don't know just as someone who plays music i've always really appreciated that in the fall and other bands who do that sort of thing so um yeah i've always really loved uh whenever basically the music part of this and and the lyrics are great too and he's all he just i mean my main question is just uh Like the my favorite part of the whole song is the uh, you know they say see you mate yeah see you mate see you mate yeah see you mate yeah that's my favorite as well (laughs) I don't it's just like what is that I mean I guess it's like at the end of the night when you're leaving a bar like that kind of happens and I know like I sometimes repeat myself to people but like that (laughs) that part is the is hilarious like that's just really that part part. and um. I like your single, yo, great. That's also yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's after he mentions Gary Bushel, right? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. He's talking about Roundtable, the, the radio show where they're sort of reviewing records. Smash <laughs> right. style. Right, circle, circle of low IQs. Yeah. Yes. No, I, and then he follows that up. Go ahead. No, no, please. Well, he follows that up with a line that recurs... Um, which is there are three rules of audience, right? <laughs> which, which, and of course, much like Marky Smith, on the two occasions that he mentions this on this and uh, what you need on this nation saving grace, 
he doesn't bother to tell you what the three rules are. <laughs> right. <laughs> repetition, repetition, and repetition. <laughs> what I like about this song and a lot of a lot of uh, the Falls work is how he's sort of even in 1980 sort of self mythologizing himself and his work and the band, like re- referencing himself from songs that he probably wrote like two years before. Talking about like chalk stock and uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They say I rip off Johnny Rotten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that's yeah. I mean, he was definitely right from the jump. Definitely into the the self, you know, mythologizing. I mean, repetition itself is is very much like a statement of intent. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, which he pretty much held fast to for the entirety of his career, which is pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> So what do you what do you make of this theory that, that is on the annotated fall about uh, five wacky English proletariat idiots being a reference to the teardrop explodes? <laughs> well, I'm wondering how many people were in the fall at that point because they right? could be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, would he, if there were five in the band other than him, then he could have been referring. You know, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I can't remember how many were there. <laughs> but would he consider himself part of the proletariat at that point? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I know that Julian Cope quotes um, a line from this in one of his bio- autobiographies. Yeah. Um, line about all the English groups act like peasants with free milk. Right. <laughs> and said that that line was basically like a punch in the stomach to him, you know. <laughs> so... I could definitely see that. I mean, he, you know, because he and uh, um, Julian Cope and Ian McCullough, I guess, used to pal around a little bit. Um, really? In the very early days, yeah. And I think they all kind of, well, I mean, as is <laughs> typical with Marky e. Smith, they all kind of had a falling out, you know, with one another. And I know that um, the... Julian used to make some pretty withering comments about him and later, later on. Okay. And, um, yeah, so there's definitely, I would say there's definitely a good possibility of that because the teardrop explodes. We're talking 1980, right? Yeah. So that Kilimanjaro probably had come out by that point. Oh yeah. 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 So, and there, let's see. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, five. There were, I think, five in the teardrop explodes. Were there not? There were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could, you know, and Echo and the Bunnymen. I think only had four, unless you count the drum machine too. <laughs> <laughs> could be a proletarian drum machine. Yeah. Yeah, and another aspect of the song that I like, and, and referencing, the, referring to this, is that you know I love it when he is talking about you know, the, the modern music scene. And, uh, you know, in sort of the lead up to this, I'd been watching it. I watched a video yesterday on YouTube. There's clips of him on some show. And I don't remember what it's called, the sort of reviewing, uh, videos that he had chosen. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, a a weird array of things, including a a group whose name I can't think of that. I want to say they're called drummer, but I'm not sure if that's right. It's like this, this, uh, boy, girl, you know, pop duo, that it started in the '70s and were sort of, you know, working their way into the '80s, like doing this really, like, really glitzy pop stuff. And it's like, you know, and the guys asking, like, why did you pick that song? It's like, it, you know, it's all right, you know, it's it's not bad, you know. You can sort of see the tension between these two in the video and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, he. Uh, I love the fact that he um, definitely had a lot of unexpected. He did the same thing when he did a, um, there's a recording of him sort of DJing um, for maybe it was like, maybe Manchester Radio or something like that. I can't remember which it is. It was an hour long recording um, uh, with him and it, it's, and he plays, oh God, I have to, uh, I wonder if I can find it. Anyway, it's, he, he plays some, some very unexpected things that you would not imagine that he would be into but he was always you know he um you know you never could figure out what why exactly he liked what he liked you know and to bring this around Um, like to bring this around full circle to the the compilation you mentioned earlier which that talked about the hmm? the the mithering gents the disparate cog sienti 
or Cognoscenti. Yes, yes. So that yeah, Cognoscenti without the no. I yeah, that's on. So he chose all those songs, didn't he? He put that together. Yeah, he's not. His name is not listed on the on the anywhere on the record. Um, but uh, and I think he might have. There might be a pseudonym or something. I wish I I, I would go in and, and dig it out uh, right now if I could. But um, yeah, he definitely it was all like sort of lesser known Manchester bands. Some of whom I wish, like the Hamsters, for example. Oh yes. Uh, there's a couple songs of theirs out there that I just absolutely love, and I wish they had made an album. But um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that these were all Manchester area bands that he liked, you know. And it's uh, it's a great it's a great compilation. I and it got it got released in the states, and I still don't understand why or how, <laughs> because. You know, if you just go by, you know, looks alone, you know, you, you know, the average consumer is not going to know what the hell, you know, this is about because it doesn't say it's, you know, Marky Smith of the Fall or anything. Right. It was one of the, I think it was one of the first two Cog Sinister releases. Yeah. That one and, and you, um, mm-hmm. and if you didn't know that that was his label, you wouldn't know that he had anything to do exactly. with that. Yeah. Exactly. He does make a little brief appearance at the beginning of side two. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard that one, Hiram? No, I haven't. It's a great record. Yeah, it's it's, it's really worth it? checking out. What's it. it called? It's called the Disparate Cognoscenti. Now that's the the word cognoscenti without the N O. Okay. <laughs> Which I think it I, I like to think that it's some sort of like, you know, Throwing off the shackles of negativism, <laughs> <laughs> but that I have a feeling it's probably just because he couldn't spell the damn word. So, right, right. you know, you got disparate. You spell disparate, right? Right. That's what. Uh, that's what I wonder about the, Mark half the time. Sorry, it's, it's <laughs> like is, just, is he just a bad speller or something? And like that's what the problem is. Like half. The, or is he anyway. a Joycean, a Joycean genius of language. You know? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Is it all just a big mistake and we shouldn't be doing this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> to this day, I, 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 you know, I vacillate uh, back and forth on that. But, um, but yeah, Makes that's sense. the next record if you can if you can find it. It's not. I mean, we you managed to find a copy for me not long ago, Bob. Yeah, I found one for myself a couple years oh, ago, oh. and then ran across another one. I was like, well, if he doesn't have this again, then I'm going to get it for him. Though here's something interesting that I was just looking on Discogs right now that there's apparently a cassette, like a double cassette compilation of stuff of the Hamsters and some bands I'm guessing related to them that got released oh, uh, last year. Whoa. Yeah. Well, I'm. I must. I uh, must track this, this down. Yeah, I will. I will send you a link to the. Uh, say again. Is anybody selling any copies on Discogs? Unfortunately, or? not. But I'm going to go ahead and add that to my want list. But I'll send you the uh, the link to the the Discog yeah. page. Yeah. Please, please do. I know there's a hamsters track on one of the uh, the Mesthetics, um collections as well. Right. Yeah. So, and there's actually a book about them. There's a, or maybe it's just like a Kindle thing, but it, there's somebody wrote a book about the hamsters as well. Really? And I haven't. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> One of the members of the band, I believe. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. So let's see. Gosh, there's so much to talk about with this song. I don't think we've ever <laughs> barely scratched the surface. Yeah. Well, the fact that, um, like you say, Herb Albert, Herb Alpert, I should say. Is uh, is mentioned by name? Big A and M Herb was there, <laughs> right? Opposite fresh air, which is now that is because, um, of course, Herb Alpert was the um, the co-founder of A and M Records, and A and M Records was the distributor uh, in the late seventies, early eighties of the IRS label. Oh, and they put out an IRS. And in fact, the um, the first fall song I ever heard was on an IRS compilation. It was like IRS's Greatest Hits, Volume 2 and 3. It was a two-record set. Pretty decent set. And uh, Rebellious Jukebox is on there. Oh, wow. And yeah. And which, yeah. And which, if you hear that song sort of um, 
kind of in like not knowing anything about the fall, it really sounds fairly conventional, you know, for like a new wave punk act of the time. It doesn't really sound that. I mean, Mark actually almost sings in that song, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's on their first one, right? That's on Live at the Witch Trout. That's Witch Trout. That's right. Yeah. So that's and that tends to be like a fairly normal sounding album all the way around, at least for that time period. Right. Well, it was the first um, that was pre uh, like the Hanley brothers weren't in the band yet at the time. Right. Um, Craig Scanlon didn't come aboard until afterwards as well. Right. So, right. It was one of the early iterations of the band. Yeah. And it sounds sort of Martin Brahma's thing at that point. I mean, he was arranging Mm -hmm. a lot of the songs. That's true. Yeah. And the production, I think was a little slicker, I think, than, than, than was probably to Mark's liking at that point, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's uh, probably true. <laughs> still a great record. I'm sorry, I keep uh, going to be a lot of me talking over people in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's hard to to figure it out when we can't see each other. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Bob and I do that a lot, anyways. So yeah, it's all right. It's not a big deal. Okay. <laughs> but, so yeah, um, no worries about that. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, but uh, so. Yep. <laughs> so here we go, go again. So, I mean, can you, with that, I, I'm just trying to imagine like a meeting of Herb Alpert and Marky e. Smith and what that would have been like. Well, you can, you know that his office, that, that his offices were air conditioned. We know that much. <laughs> um, yes, the, uh, central air was pro- is probably not a thing that was, uh, that was a, 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 a uh, experience that Mark had had at that point. <laughs> Um, so I, yeah, I'm guessing it had to have been something regarding, you know, regarding IRS right. or, um, what was, or the step forward label, I guess, which was part of the IRS thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can probably glean some, um, some, sp- some sort of flake of, of that whole experience going back again to the song What You Need a few years later, where he mentions as one of the things that you need, the book Theft as Vision by the Brothers Copeland. Oh, you know, yeah. And of course, the Brothers Copeland were the IRS people. So, um, <laughs> so I'm sure there's a lot of stories to be told there as well. Yeah. I just, you know, I yeah, and again, uh, looking at the lyric here of the, him referencing, you know, the, the rota uh, was mediocre. U.S. dirge, rock and pop <laughs> filth. <laughs> Materials filched. Yeah. So. so, no, so I'm trying to think of who was on A&M in like 1979. Lord, well, I'm thinking that, let's see, so A&M, well, I mean, if we're just talking about the IRS, so like the police were were making it big at the time. Right. <laughs> R.E.M. Who? R.E.M. was on IRS. In the in yeah, the that's true. But that 80s. was a few years Right, I think their first record didn't come out till '81, right? Their first uh, single. I think it was '81. I think, yeah, I think so. Um, and I know didn't did that Goko's album, one of their albums, come out on IRS a little later? Goko's right? were on IRS. Actually, their first few albums came out on IRS. Yeah, yeah. at least uh, through Talk Show. I know that much. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, let me see. No, that's interesting. So I knew IRS had a. a was basically a major label, like putting itself off as a indie or something. I knew that that was like basically a big deal at the time, but I didn't realize it was A and M. So yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty hilarious. There's also in the uh, Captain Beefheart box set that came out a few years ago. Well, probably like a decade ago. Uh, there's a part of him that they recorded when they were all in the big house in California and he's talking about Herb Alpert and him like <laughs> recording his trumpet lines. He's like, you know, they, they record those three different times and they stack them all together. That's how they make him sound so big. Right. <laughs> so he's like talking to the neighbor or something like he's, there's this long bit where they recorded him. 
Don talking to the this neighbor woman that's just fucking hilarious and he's making fun of Herb Alpert. Like it, so yeah, sorry. Every time I hear about Herb Alpert, that's all I can think of is <laughs> Kevin Beefheart making fun of him. Oh, I gotta hear that. Yeah. But so, yeah, I so, mean that's Oh go right. ahead. So No, no, I'm I'm um Actually, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, so it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, I think we were there. talking about IRS. Yes, yes. Well, it's um, yeah. They, I mean, it's they were kind of one of those sort of pseudo indies, you know. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say that uh, whatever experience that the Copelands had with the fall, um, they at least liked they at least liked the song "Rebellious Jukebox" enough that they actually had a TV show in the early 80s. It was on uh, it was on Channel 4 in the UK, and I believe it was on Showtime in the US, called Rebellious Jukebox. Really? Which was, yes. And which was a kind of a combination of, um, uh, it was sort of a um, Don Kirchner's rock concert kind of thing, crossed with a really bizarre sort of sitcom. Um, oh, wild. And, and Meatloaf, was the star of the show? He played, <laughs> no. yeah. He played the 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 owner of this club where all these different bands came in to perform at. And I remember I saw a few of those. I went. I don't. I have not looked this up recently. Hopefully, there's clips of it out there somewhere. But it was a pretty. It was. I want to say it was hilarious. Uh, and I'm. But I also. But I don't want to imply. That it was deliberately hilarious. Mm-hmm. Right, right. One of those things that's funny in spite of the fact that it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, I'm, I'm looking up the IMDb for this show, and I just love that he's that Meatloaf is listed as the owner of the Rebellious Jukebox, which I guess was the, go, yeah. the club that they were in. <laughs> oh man. So, is any but yes, that's one of those one of those things I I remember watching. When, when we were when we were youngsters, Bob. Yeah. And back in uh, this is like back in Nia Bay. That's uh, that's how far back we go. And that was one of the things that. Well, I don't know. I, I could go into details on this, but nobody's really got <laughs> <laughs> We used to have. Right, no, I was, I'll say it anyway. You can edit it out if you want. We used to live up in um, up on the Olympic Peninsula in a, in a town called Nia Bay, and it was on the coast uh, Coast Guard um, base. Coast Guard Station. And one of the weird things about where we lived is that they had basically one um, sort of satellite receiver at the station that basically functioned for all the houses there. So basically, we had to watch whatever they were watching. (laughs) Wow. And as the Coast Guard people that were there tended to be in the very, you know, young, single um men <laughs> category uh i got to see a lot of the playboy channel yeah, back in those days. yeah. a lot more than i ever expected so i i was looking yeah. this up and i actually found a review of rebellious jukebox from an from an issue of billboard in 1985 okay and uh, it says, unfortunately, the efforts at Benny Hill-like ribaldry in the context of laughing style running gags makes for an unbearably tasteless hour broken only by club performances and videos by hip new acts. See, that makes me want to watch it even more. Same here. <laughs> no, I, I want to read the rest of this, if you don't mind. But it's, it's the theme of it. this May episode, Peace and Love Night, made for little more than a series of jabs at such antiquated targets as Hare Krishna's, hippie dopers, and mantra-mouthing enlightenment searchers, this last category exemplified by Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's a wonder this isn't still on the air. No, no, but you know what? I think if there is anybody out there who can track down copies of this damn show, I think we need to, because we had, let's see, looking at the IMDb here, so Jules Holland, Mm -hmm. who was basically on any, Jules Holland was the manager of the club, Um, Mary Wilson, who I remember vaguely from, um, and all I can remember is that she had a, a, she was a, an English singer who had kind of a, a bouffant hairdo 
1982. And 1980, <laughs> right. And also, it looked like kind of like if if one of the the female B-52s, um, how can I put this, uh, had had <laughs> gone through some sort of um, um, <laughs> Knights of Kiberia sort of experience. <laughs> You know, oh, a little rope put up wet sort of thing, I guess, as, as if I can put it that way. You know, can't remember what her music sounded like, but that was <laughs> what I can see. Can uh, I can see her very uh, my in my mind's eye right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, CNC <laughs> S Mithering. <laughs> there we go. Thing. Have we even talked about the song? I don't know we have. We talked about the song, but um, yeah, there was some great. So that was 1980. All right, oh, that that I think that deserves a whole other podcast to talk about the show. Yeah, because you know, I'm just looking at the uh, looking at. The, I know the police played on it at least once, um, but there's the fix. There we go. Eric Burden, Lords of the New Church, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Hot gossip. Oh my god. Wow. Virgil Sharky, Bento Ballet, UB40, wow. Raise so. the Dragon. <laughs> so, and it was Godly and Krem, or Cream, or however, who were the directors of the show. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. So it might actually look interesting, if nothing else. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was just like, it was a videotaped show. You know, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it didn't, it wasn't... Uh, from my recollection, at least, it wasn't particularly uh, complex visually, but it definitely had a, you know, it had kind of a weird kind of quasi, you know, SCTV in the sense that there's, you know, a recurring cast of characters, you know, that sort of had, or serve as a kind of a wraparound to the the main business of the show, which in this case was, was music. Right. So, okay. Anyway, so that's <laughs> crack it down people. It's I'm sure it's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be, there's gotta be video or somewhere. I'm definitely so, going to go. See. I'm definitely going to go on Twitter and see if anyone has any video of this hiding somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Do. Yes. But, um, let's see. So, what do you think hydrochloric shaved weirds means? <laughs> I was I was kind of wondering that too. <laughs> like Faust with beards, <laughs> you know. It's, is that um, is that Faust as in the man who sold his soul, or just the Germans? I'm thinking probably the band Faust, perhaps <laughs> beards with uh, you know uh, plural. Uh huh. No, that's uh, true. Definitely. You know, I mean, he was a kraut rock enthusiast. We know this for for a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they all had. Well, I think one or two of them had beards at that point. I can't remember. That's it's been true, a while yeah. since I've seen a picture. But yeah, sure. the the hydrochloric shaved weirds. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no it's idea a, what that even begins right. to mean. <laughs> the carloads of Negro Nazis. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, that, that makes way more sense than hydrochloric shaved weirds. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does at that. Yes. And that's where the applause kicks in. So, yeah, exactly. Certainly that meant something to people in Manchester. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Spotty exterior hides a spotty interior. Ouch, ouch. <laughs> Yeah, the the spottiness thing always cracks me up too. That's kind of it's, it. Just sounds. I think it it sounds like it's a like a you know zit ad, Brit zit ad or something from the sixties. I'm guessing, doesn't it? Like it sounds like something sure. that left off the Who sell out or exactly. something. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Medak. Yeah, exactly. So White yeah, no. Here. I, I, I really want to track that one down. I mean, there's a few things on here where I'm just like, what did he, like, where did he pull this from? I mean, it just sounds like an advertisement. You know, yeah. that one definitely sounds oh, like an yeah. advertisement. And, and he mentions ads, at least in songs, at least a few times, you know. Sure. 
Yeah, and I think um, there may even be examples of it in this song, which I, um, uh, which uh, it's hard to say, really. That's you know, there's definitely a lot of, you know, he. One of the amazing things about Marky Smith was always that he was he was open to lyrical influences from basically every you know every direction. Yeah, you know, definitely. Take things off of ads and and television, you know, overheard overheard things or misoverheard things. What I keep thinking of is there's the to bring pavement back into this. There's the song "We Dance," mm-hmm. which is on uh, what's that on Wowie Zowie? I think it's the yeah. first song of Wowie Zowie. Yeah. And so. um, you know, like a bunch of the lyrics in there are basically like Malcolm's riffing off the cover of a Coltrane record. Sure, <laughs> and you know, I've never heard that one. Yeah, yeah. So if this, I forget which which record it is, but it's just the one that like lists sort of the song titles on there, like Chim Chim Cheree and uh, <laughs> a couple other songs. And you, and like if you track it, like listening to the, the lyrics, like oh yeah, it's just him looking at this album cover and just writing this stuff down. Maybe when he's you know high right. in his bedroom in Stockton, I don't know. Yeah, right. Pick out some Brazilian nuts for your engagement. That's that's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And there was what was that R.E.M. There was an R.E.M. song that um, what was the song? Voice of Harold, which was the Seven Chinese Brothers track uh, with with um, Michael Stipe basically reading the back the liner notes to a gospel record as the lyrics. Oh wow! You know? yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's a that's a uh, dead letter that, office, right? That that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and of course, REM were on IRS, so it all it all ties together. See, people, <laughs> we're doing this for you. <laughs> Absolutely, connecting the dots, tying it together. It's like a you know, it's like a beautiful mind. <laughs> it is. It is for sure. And sort it of. turns out that we're all absolutely delusional, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am surrounded by you know a young girl and a you know angry Ed Harris in my room here right now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is really? Yeah. When, we, when we get down to it. <laughs> she, she let Ed Harris out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't want to keep Ed Harris. Uh, nobody puts Ed Harris in the corner. I think. <laughs> he starts to smell after a couple days. It's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, my God. It so, anyway, well, thanks, Bill, for helping us out with this one. Well, absolutely. I hope. I think we. I think we broke it down. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> there are no ambiguities left in this I, song. Yeah. I think everyone knows exactly what the song is about now, and we right. did that. We made that happen. Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> which, which is what usually happens when Bob and I talk about a song. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> usually, it's like blathering on, and then okay, sound good, good. All right, yeah. cool, we're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> right. Well, maybe we can uh, at some future point we can like do one of the songs that has like two, you know, two lines in it. You know, like uh, <laughs> like Friends or something like that. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> or L.A. and just really dig deep. Right. There we go. Yeah. Where the where the speed just wasn't doing its job that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs>